You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Friday, welcome to a Feedback Friday, easy for me to say. Welcome to a Feedback Friday podcast, powered by CRTV here on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Leave us a positive review if you like us. If you don't, don't lie, but just maybe you know keep that to yourself. But if you do like us, we would love it if you would tell everybody you know by leaving a positive review right here on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. Also coming soon, Westwood One. We'll be taking over the uh, marketing distribution of our free podcast every day, so we're very excited about that. We'd also be excited if you would let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name spelled D-E-A-C-E. We got a packed house here today because we just finished taping the Dace Group Roundtable for CRTV. Let's give the audience uh, a preview of uh, what's in this week's review of the week that was. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, in all of this uh, virtue signaling about, uh, uh, what's the phrase, uh, believe uh, every woman and where feminism uh, has gone, um, believe it or not, we had this conversation, uh, that now there is a sect of progressivism that is simultaneously, in the very same week as that news, uh, in effect, uh, telling uh, certain women in a certain profession that they have to be okay with being raped. Kim. Um, I think we had a rather heated discussion, a good discussion with regard to um, the impact or potential impact that um, Donald Trump did when he said that uh, Jerusalem would be forever known as the eternal capital of Israel. So I thought that was an interesting conversation. Okay. Aaron? Yeah. And uh, let's see the uh, second uh, conversation uh, that we had uh, talking about the uh, blatant hypocrisy that is the uh, the left uh, somehow reclaiming some notion of the moral high ground. I'm not sure how you uh, reclaim the moral high ground when there are no such thing as morals, but somehow, <laughs> apparently, the Democrats figured out how to do it. Oh, you know, I really didn't like how Aaron started off the roundtable uh, on the Israel thing. You can hear him, him and I kind of get into it a little bit. But I got to tell you, brother, ever since then... You've been at uh, peak snark millennial. I've really appreciated oh, I just, it. I've got my um, I've got my Steve Dace voodoo doll over here. Did I fire time. you up a little bit? Maybe I, I kind of fired I, you up. I've been poking that a little bit, and <laughs> I feel the Dace flowing through me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm drinking some Dace right now. I got my uh, Dace uh, coffee mug. So, hey, if uh, you want one of those uh, coffee mugs, you want my mug on your mug. Uh, all you got to do is subscribe right now. Use my name as a promo code, Dace, at CRTV.com. Get the Christmas discount subscription, not just to our show, but all of the shows here at CRTV. And we even send you a free coffee mug as well as a nice discount as well. CRTV.com, promo code, Dace. All right, let's get to it. It's a Feedback Friday. It's time for our getting to as much of the feedback as we possibly can. Are you guys ready? Ready. All right. Scott Wilson asks... 
help me understand why all of these Muslim nations are upset about the U.S. moving its embassy to Jerusalem. I don't understand why why they are all stating this may cause riots and unrest. Isn't Islam a religion of peace and tolerance? Todd Heston answered. <laughs> really? It is. It is fascinating. Really. I mean... Yesterday you pointed out the <laughs> Look fallacies. What you've, done. you've unleashed the gates of hell. Yes, um, you're saying you're hell. You're saying you're hell. I mean, now we're comparing moving this. The, the liberal media is comparing this to uh, you know this will be Trump's Benghazi. I oh, thought Benghazi was not, was 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 fine in a in a piece of a place of peace and tranquility that was only only had its its quiet life of desperation. Um, it, it, it just completely unraveled because somebody whose name I don't even remember did a movie about Muhammad on the internet that nobody ever saw. Wasn't that the narrative we were given for five years? Mm -hmm. If a progressive said that to me on some sort of set that actually pulled, after all, oh, Benghazi, you and your Benghazi all those years, and they then they pulled out the this is Trump's Benghazi, I think that would have been the... can I say? I'll, I'll say it, and uh, if I have to apologize, that would have been the Jane, you ignorance slut moment. When it, I mean, <laughs> nice SNL reference. Yes, it just how how I mean, at some I get hypocrisy is your 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 baseline, but does is there never a point where you just say, yeah, well, come on, that's that's just a bridge too far. That's just too much shamelessness. Oh yeah, they say they're so peaceful, and now you get you're making me do this. By your very definition of the capital, you're going to make me be violent. Like, this is the thing. Well, a it, millennial. I mean, how long have they been violent? I, well, that's the argument. I mean, the idea that suddenly things are, they're just going to go ape. When has this thing been peace and rest of any, any point in our At lives? Any point. Are you aware of this? No. Of course not. I mean, that, that's a false equivalency. Well, they're going to die up to 11. It's been 11 since 648 AD, guys, okay? So where are we going to go? 11.5, 12.2, 13.1? I mean, uh, what would you, where would you dial it up on 9-11, do you think? I mean, did, did we recognize, had we recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital on uh, September 10th, 2001? No? That's pretty much, I mean, I think what happened the next day is kind of dialing up to 11, Todd, don't you? So the whole idea that we, we, we cannot worry, risk angering, pestering, and aggravating people that are angered, pestered, and aggravated since the 7th century, seriously, stick that where the sun doesn't shine, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It just doesn't, it just, it, I'm amazed at how often people in my industry say things with great conviction that, or the arguments they phrase for the things they claim to believe are just self-refuting the, the the second it leaves the oral cavity. They they it, the second it leaves. Yeah. Well, and, and they they never bother to game. And I think what it is is for many years they just didn't have to. They could just sit around and and read off the same song sheet and there was no critical thinking out there. Nobody, There was nobody to say, yeah, point of order, I'm going to need a clarification on this. And so there there was just a bubble. There was just an echo chamber. And Todd, they never really had to self-assess on this level. Well, and not just our industry, but did, I mean, did you see that quote from Mark Ruffalo, the Incredible Hulk? Mm. I mean, he's like begging is, it was direct, uh, Israel, I just beg you in this moment, please, I, I'm a slight paraphrase, but don't don't overreact. Like, yeah, I mean, what the, the implication is like, you know, no matter what these people do to you, please, please stand down. It, it has things so reversed 
Yeah. And, and it implied there is that, you know, you, what you really, you, you're being at least uh, condescending or you're simply acknowledging the truth. You're like, I, I can't talk to them because they can't be reasonable, i.e. the Palestinians. So basically, I have to ask you to be the big person while making fun of you at the same time. Yeah, when you get your uh, kicks on Route 66, a.k.a. the highway to hell, uh, anything can be true except for that that actually is. And that's what we see every day in the media and from the left. And I know on the show I brought up the um, interview that was with CNN and the mayor of Jerusalem, which was fantastic if you get a chance to look at it. Because um, the woman, the uh, um, the CNN uh, reporter was just like, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid they're going to be violent? And he just looked at it like, as in like every day that happens here? Uh, no, we're not afraid. We'll do the right thing. This is the right thing to be done. So... It was a fabulous thing. Next, Jonathan writes, um, question that's been on my mind for a while now. Are Christmas trees idolatrous? No. <laughs> now let's, let, here's the thing. It can one, be, one, I suppose. One pretty good rule of thumb. I know. I almost took a picture of Todd. With the- he almost went Kirk Herbstreit on the on the playoff pairing show on Sunday when they showed Alabama was in and out of Ohio State. He literally got up and walked off the set. All right, so I, that just about happened here. Okay, all right. So I'm having a beer in reaction to that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, if you were listening about two months ago, yeah. you know what that's a reference to. All right. Here's the thing. Pretty good rule of thumb. Now, I didn't say like a, a law of the universe. But a pretty good rule of thumb, Jonathan, is if, if if there's something you're engaged in or you like that you're willing to still ask yourself, is this an idol to me? It's probably not. Do you know who never never ponders, is this idolatrous to me? The idolatrous. That's why they're idolatrous. They, there's no critical thinking. There's no self-assessment. There, there's no point where they think, do I like this too much? Am I too immersed in this? Have I lost myself in this? Has this thing become a, am I scheduling my life around this? Okay, um, because the reason they're an idolater is they're not willing to do that. See what I'm trying to say first and foremost? Yes. So any question like this you would ask me, I'm going to start off with that. The fact you're willing to ask it probably means the answer for you is no. Because those who are not lost um, in a particular idol or activity they're so lost in it they don't bother to take a step back and think am I going too far with this so that's point number one not just about this question but the question of idolatry in general idolaters don't ask am I an idolater that's why they kill people who call them idolaters (laughs) they tend to kill the ones who hey you're an idolater I kill him all right and and by the way and when we're done I'm gonna go back over here with, uh, with my precious thank you that's what an idolater does. An idolater doesn't sit around, self-assess, critically think, and wonder, I wonder if i am just gone too far with this. Idolaters don't do that. Okay? So that's number one. Number two, you can turn anything into an idol. One of the great lines from Charles Hayden Spurgeon is this. Don't make your faith bigger than your Christ. Make your Christ bigger than your faith. What did he mean by that? Meaning, Christianity, people say it's not a religion. It is a religion. They say it's not a religion, it's a relationship. It's a religion of relationship. Does Christianity have creeds? Does it have doctrines? 
Yeah. Does it have yeah. dogmas? And it must. Okay, does it have an ethical standard? Then what do we call things that, that have those things that are enforced by an external force? What do we t- what, what's the definition of that? Religion. A religion, okay? The difference here, though, it's a religion of relationship. The reason you do those and honor those things is because of the relationship you have with Christ. And a lot of Christians put those things, those other things, on a higher pedestal than they do their own relationship. In other words, let me put it in, and I think there's a reason the Bible uses the marriage analogy so much between the analogy between Christ and his church. How long have you been married, Todd? 15 years. All right, it's 20 years for us, Kim. Almost 30. All right, so almost a century of marriage sitting here on the table. How often do you, are you being married and how often do you feel married? Know what I'm saying? When you were first married and had that honeymoon phase, right? And you couldn't keep your hands off each other and there's no kids yet or there's, or there's you know, they're, they're really young and so they don't have 15 activities like they do when they get older, right? You felt like you were married then. And then the years go on, you kind of get comfortable. There's a certain expectation level. There's more kids, they're older, more responsibilities, careers. And so... Some days you, you're, you're being married, but you don't necessarily feel married. And that's why we have anniversaries and other sorts of, shall I call them, reminders or say sacraments in order to rekindle that relationship so it doesn't become stale, doesn't get taken for granted. We're not just going through the motions. See the analogy I'm drawing here? All right. There's a lot of people that their faith or I shouldn't say a lot, but there are some people that their faith is bigger than their Christ. What I do at church, how I serve at church, how much I give, how much I volunteer. And you go talk to them and you ask them, you know, what's your relationship with Jesus like? And they'll be all like, either not have an answer or they'll list off all the stuff they did. Except Christianity begins not with what you do for Christ, but what he already did for you. Why did he do those things for you? Love knows no greater man than this than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Okay? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, willing to lay down his life for her. He did it because he loves you. What's the number one thing any loving relationship requires and wants? Time. Time together uh, to relate. Every relationship, what's the root word of relationship, guys? Relate. Gotta relate. Am, am I relating to my wife if I work 80 hours a week? And when I come home, I'm either exhausted or we're driving the kids to 19, 70, 19 different you know, extracurricular activities. Get home, fall asleep, get up the next morning, start it all over again. Saturday comes around, I'm beat, I'm exhausted, I want to go watch the football game, go hunting, she's got to go do her. Is that, is that a relationship? Are they, do they have a relationship? Sure. But are they really in, are they relating? Are they in a relationship at that point? I got you. You yeah. see where I'm at? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. And so... We can turn even our own faith into an idol. A, Christ, a, a Christmas tree in and of itself is not an idol. Now, if you have the, if you, if you have the, uh, the tawdry tradition we had too often in our family because of me and me being too nitpicky, it's got to go up a certain day. We got un, to untether the branches, Okay. Uh, you know, uh, ornaments, heavy ornaments at the bottom. Start on the outside. Work your way in. Okay, all right. 
we had a joke for several years. Now, the last few years, I recognized this thing's an idol. That's why we're arguing about it. It's a Christmas tree, man. Put up some music. Who cares? In, in 25 years, am I going to care when the kids are out of the house and probably don't, and I'm, and I'm complaining to the wife, why don't the kids call us anymore? Am I going to sit there and think, well, I guess this year it's fun to put up the tree myself so it look exactly like I want it to look, right? In the grand scheme of things, is that important? That's an example of making a Christmas tree an idol. Putting one up with ornaments of you and your kids, putting presents underneath it, isn't an idol. In fact, one of the origins of the Christmas tree goes back to St. Boniface, who was evangelizing, um, essentially, I think they were Norsemen. And they had this tree called an, a giant oak tree called that they called, that they worshipped in this village called an Odin tree. Like, yeah, that Odin. Thor's dad, okay? He grew so angry and frustrated with their idolatry to this tree that he took his axe right in front of these guys who are, you know, they're not 5'4", a buck oh five. They're not pajama boys. Yeah, they're not. Okay. He got so angry, so frustrated. He, he fashioned it. He took his axe as his whip of cords and he took it to their Odin tree in front of him. And he chopped that puppy down to make a statement. It's just a tree. There's no power in it. Growing inside this massive oak tree was this little conifer, little evergreen tree that had sort of grafted itself on. And he took that little tree. He said, hey, y'all want a tree? I'll give you a tree. <laughs> if it means that much to you, you can have a tree. Except this is a Chris, a, this is the Christmas tree where we're going to acknowledge the giver of life who made the world. Paul's, Paul's Christology that he lays out in Colossians. All things are made by him, through him, and for him. Nothing would exist without Christ. That's one of the actual origins of, a Chris, of our Christmas tree comes from one of the saints of the old church attacking the idolatry of pagans who were worshiping trees. So the answer to your question, and I could have saved us about 10 minutes, Aaron originally gave it when you said what, Aaron? No. No. That's the answer. You're giving me a funny look, Todd. No, there's nothing funny. I've just, I was thinking, I'm going to be as charitable as possible because last time I answered the beer question, I got more nasty emails than I've ever got on this show. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, I, I don't. I really don't understand because if you, then you, if it's a Christmas tree, then you have to keep going. Then the whole holiday, and I know this is the case with some Protestants, that that the actual holiday of Christmas is idolatry, and so then you're talking about feast days. And you're calling into the question, in my opinion, the character of God, because the, the feast of uh, the Jewish faith, the feast of Pentecost, the feast of uh, uh, booths, and 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 Christ constantly pointing back uh, uh, to the, to the history of the Jews, and they're not they have uh, markers of all kinds of Jews. God telling them, "Hey, at this spot, holy, you know, make an altar here. Remember this spot." And so. I, things change from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but the character of God does not change. And the character of God clearly indicates that 
an evergreen tree, evergreen, something that lives throughout the darkness and the coldness of winter, a point that new life is always possible, the victory is at hand. I really, I, I need more information because I really want to know how did you get to this place where this question was, the, Steve's point is like me personally, my own individual essence just with the tree and my family that makes sense but the question seemed to be like more cosmological like right. this thing a yeah. tree mm-hmm. yeah is an, I, See, how uh, do you get there as a i'd really idols, i don't get it yeah idols don't they, i mean this is over and over again in the old testament and then uh, this is throughout the new testament as well uh the the essence of the message when it comes to idolatry I, idols don't make us idolaters we are prone to be idolaters, and so we make idols. So there's well not said. one yeah. thing is an idol, and this is not because it's different than that. One thing is an mm-hmm. idol, and this is not. We are inherently idolaters, which is why you said anything can be an idol. So it's not because the tree has. And I, I hope he's not. I hope that's that's this is not the the premise from which he's working upon. But there's not some sort of mystical thing around a Christmas tree because it's associated with some pagan holiday that makes it an idol. No. Uh, that that's not the way that this works. In fact, as I pointed out, one of its origins was specifically to combat right. the notion of it being an idol. Okay, so uh, <sighs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Marsha writes, I'm thrilled that you are continuing to bring up the Vegas shooting from two months ago. My husband and I, too, believe that much is being hidden. We have our theories. Much of it has to do with the sheriff, how he handles everything. Also, because of the makeup of those killed. So please keep bringing it up. Um, For example, the media does this to us all the time. You should see how they cover up here in Vegas when drunk illegals actually kill Americans. Matt Walsh tweeted about a story today I wasn't even aware of. Just to to further Marsha's email. Were you aware of this police brutality? story where the guy is on video the cop is on video yeah. literally murdering a I, white man unarmed in cold that. blood yeah. and they let him go right is that the story aaron yeah. i believe that's the gist okay. yeah. yeah i i didn't know until this morning when i saw matt tweeting about it i didn't know that i think i'm fairly well informed i'm not you know the oracle at delphi i'm not omniscient but but I, I didn't even know that story existed Nor did i i didn't no. either and matt's question was if this was a black man would we know Yes. I think we know the answer to that question is yes. We do. I know okay. this for a fact because I I mean I didn't end up being killed or shot, but you're describing my story too. Like no one knew about it. Like I still see people tweet about media people, not troll and when I say media people, I'm talking reporters. Not even like columnists. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see I see reporters still tweeting references to Roy Moore being banned from the Gadsden Mall. Yeah. Yes, yes, constantly. I see it it's constantly. still going. Yes. This was this story was yep. refuted not once but twice. By two different people. Because the first person they brought forth said, Well, he wasn't the he wasn't the guy who ran the mall then. He followed the guy who ran the mall and he's a Moore voter, so he can't be trusted. Because obviously you would think if you took over the mall and they had a ban list, the guy who'd get, who used to run the mall might hand you the ban list and say, hey, just so you know, we banned these people from the mall. Right. I think it's a reasonable assumption to jump to, but okay, I'll play along. So then they did bring the other guy forward. And he's like, yeah, he was not on any list. And I still see on a regular basis this re- referred to, but it's not true. So I, 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 I get why people are seeking out sites like InfoWars. What I don't get, though, is why when we find out what InfoWars actually is, you keep going to them. 
That's what I don't get. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I get why you're looking for alternative sources of information. I get why you don't want the official state-sponsored explanation to everything. I get that. I just don't get why you think, given what they... When a guy literally writes in his own court filings, I'm just making stuff up for money, guys. So I'm not crazy. Let me have my kids back. Why keep going there? He's already telling you. I'm, I'm, I am the, I'm, I'm doing the other, working the other side of the coin of what you're already rebelling against. So I get why you want other things. I just don't get why you think somebody like Alex Jones is the alternative being proffered to that. That's what I don't get. Todd, you say you want, you look like you want to add something to that. No, no, I, you nailed it. Uh, A couple more. Um, your, your DNA identifies your gender, your racial mix, and whether you are at risk for a wide variety of diseases. It's incredibly repeatable, and it doesn't get much more sciency than that. But think about the irony of someone who claims to be transgendered but is also a carrier for Parkinson's disease. Are they a product of their DNA or not? You cannot have it both ways. That's a brilliant observation. Gender is either male or female to the person who admits to science. Any other explanation is allowing your worldview and politics to determine your science. So how and when is that DNA decided? Half comes from the mother, half comes from the father. Male or female, determined at conception. Natural hair color, determined at conception. A carrier for sickle cell, determined at conception. Sure, there are a lot of things that will be the result of your environment, education, or surroundings, but the foundations were all set at the moment of conception. If all that is true, those that choose to kill a baby are guilty of people killing, literally, genocide. If there is an entire industry formulated for perpetuating that genocide, how much longer must it continue, and when will those who perpetuated that crime be charged with crimes against humanity? Jeff, that's a great email. Couldn't have said it better myself. We found out yesterday the Trump Justice Department, Attorney General Sessions announced they are actually looking into the Planned Parenthood sale and profiteering off of baby parts. Um, So that's a positive development. And I went to breakfast with uh, an old buddy of mine I hadn't seen in several years from my sports days, who considers himself more liberal and more progressive. Um, And a lot of the complaints he had about hypocrisy um, that he sees with conservatives in the Republican Party, uh, I agreed with. And, and, and yet he asked why I would not consider his viewpoint in response to it. And I said, here's the problem. Your party has, as its number one plank, we're going to murder people if we don't want them. When, when that's number one, like we don't sit there and say, you know, on the other hand, John Wayne Gacy was... was could re- was a maestro with watercolors. We don't say that. By the way, this guy was a great painter. Why don't we say that? Why don't we? Know- Why isn't John Way Gacy noted for his painting? Anybody know? Because what's what's he also known for? Murderer. Murdering a lot of people. He's one of the most notorious heinous serial killers in American history. Pennywise the clown in Stephen King's It was inspired by John Wayne Gacy. In other words, there are certain things that are so wicked and so evil that if you're willing to do them, you, f- you have forfeited your, your human right to be recognized as a holistic person because they're just that bad. Murder, genocide, as Jeff just described eloquently with his email, I would think would be one of those. One of those that... We don't say, on the other hand, a wonderful singing voice. Once you, once you step across the line of genocide, you have no moral standing on anything at all. 
Now, now maybe Democrats believe that because of where they see the demographics going in the urban, more urban centers of America, that they never have to win states like Alabama, for example. And and I'm not a Democrat. I don't know what the inner workings of you know their political machinery say, and if that's their plan, and so they think they can just keep killing kids. Well, you know, I I guess that's your assessment of the situation. But if you want to win in places like Alabama. If you want people to say, I can't vote for somebody who's alleged to have molested underage girls, you can't then say, but instead vote for this candidate instead who has confirmed he is for killing those little girls until the full fullness of their bodies leaves a birth canal. Because if it just partially leaves the birth canal, we'll still kill it. No, the full body, head, shoulders, knees, and toes has to come out and if it doesn't, then we can kill the kid. Okay? If that's your alternative, you're never going to win, make inroads in a state like that. You're just not going to do it. Now, maybe you don't think you have to. Maybe you think demographics is destiny and you look at what's going on with urban America. Okay. Yeah, I guess, you know. And then, you know, at the end you'll find out that's why there's a hell. But if you really, truly wanted to take advantage of the opportunity Roy Moore's accusers provided you in Alabama, what I just described to you is a major reason why you're not. Because there's going to be a lot of people on Tuesday who are very troubled by Moore's accusations, uh, the the accusations against Moore, that are still going to vote for him. Why? Because while he's being accused of something they find heinous, everybody knows Doug Jones will do things. It's confirmed to them he will do things we know are heinous. And until that changes, nothing else much will. The last major political realignment we had in America happened around Roe v. Wade. You saw a mass migration of Catholic voters who had never entertained voting Republican begin to do so. You saw evangelical voters who were not even largely even voting, frankly, and we're waiting for Hal Lindsey's book to come true, uh, who suddenly decided to get out and vote. This created the uh, what we used to call the Christian right or the religious right. That was the last major re, 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 reimagining of the American map. That was the last major demographic shift we've had in American politics. And the map has largely been the same ever since. Now, Trump broke this mold a little bit last year by winning Wisconsin and Michigan and Iowa. But he won these states. Now, Iowa won pretty convincingly, but Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, the four states that gave him the presidency, and Florida, uh, I think he won them by a combined 78,000 votes. So we don't know if we're... We'll find out more likely if he's on the ballot again in 2020 if we're seeing a Rust Belt shift, Okay. Now, if Trump wins those states again, then yes, this has been the new realignment in American politics. There's been the realignment of the Rust Belt. And the Republicans now have a, have a pretty tough lock on the Electoral College. When you throw in, they're going to win every single state south of, of Virginia. And now if they're going to win, you know, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, there's not enough votes there. No matter how many people in Seattle hate Donald Trump, there's not enough vote, Electoral College votes there for them to win. But we don't know that yet. We don't know if Trump just pulled off a one-off or if that, was a re- if that was a realignment. We do know that the last realignment was the alliance of Catholics and evangelicals in the Republican Party. And so if, if Democrats want to shift that realignment, they're going to have to give up being the party of baby killing. There's no other way around that. And it has nothing to do with limited government. I wish it did. Wish I could tell you it was about limited. There's very few limited government voters left, guys. 
Very few. Very few people that are even for limited government who, who that, that's the driving force for them when they vote. There's just, Pew did this whole survey about a month ago, we talked about it. The amount of socially liberal, fiscally conservative voters, you know, like all these thumb suckers at all these places that hate Roy Moore that we've been talking about for the last few months, those voters really don't exist in mass anywhere in America. They don't. So if Democrats want to break the, the gridlock, you know, you look at how do they do it with Bill Clinton, Southern, Southern conservative Democrat. And at the time he nominated Al Gore, who was considered a Southern conservative Democrat. So they won a couple of Southern states they would normally win. Why wasn't Al Gore president in 2000? It had nothing to do with 537 hanging chads in Florida, guys. All Al Gore had to do was win his home state of Tennessee, be president of the United States, regardless of what we decide with those hanging chads in Florida. He lost because he couldn't win his home state of Tennessee. If he wins Tennessee, he's president. That's why he's not president. That's why he never got elected, couldn't win his home state. Barack Obama was able to break through. Uh, he was able to win North Carolina, So he, that's, which is kind of teetering. He won Florida. But you saw those states shift right back to the Republican circle, uh, you know, um, column. Those are sort of your, where there's enough urbanization in the state of Florida with Miami-Dade and some of those places and the triad, uh, the research triangle in North Carolina. There's enough urban-style voters. They have a really good Democratic candidate, and Barack Obama was. You have a really bad Republican candidate, and John McCain was. You can, you, there's enough urban voters there that if you, you, can, you can maybe shift those states, but he was never. Oh, Barack Obama's great of a candidate was had no chance to win Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma. I've got a terrible question to ask you in Go this ahead. regard. Yep. Is the pro-life movement basically our version of self-perpetuating big government? The program that we don't want to use to solve the problem, we want to stay there because it keeps the current political viability. Because if we solve the problem and, and we are a pro-life nation, instantly the Democratic Party becomes dominant, so we kind of just keep this thing in I mean you've talked about the pro-life movement in the past and what their true motivations are or ultimately became is this really a problem we don't want to solve so we can keep the stasis you're talking I, about? I don't want to believe that's true I will tell you I've been involved in the so-called personhood movement for several years now as you guys all know I've you know the in, point of my question though yeah. the big government program that they really don't want to you know, solve it i've been i've helped i've been involved or covered attempts to define life at conception in um north dakota iowa mississippi georgia and oklahoma and in every one of those states the following things happened national right to life susan b anthony list the Catholic Archdiocese and the Republican Party's in leadership structure opposed us in every one of those states. Every one of those You're states that we tried to define life at conception, every single one. Now, the, now this last time when we, when we fought for it in Iowa, those entities did not actively oppose us. Why? Well, because we had the, 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 we had the family leader. That's the big Bob Vanderplatz organization which, I mean, their size and scope dwarfs every other social conservative organization in Iowa. So even if they wanted to come in and oppose us, 
they didn't have a platform that could that was bigger than the family leader's base. So we didn't have the family leader when you and I were trying right. to do this when you were in the legislature. Okay, didn't even exist as an organization at that time. All right, so. Um, but I don't want to, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You know, Dick Morris, who I don't affirmatively quote very often, said for, I've heard him say this for 25 years. If Roe v. Wade was overturned, over 40% of the Republican electorate would disappear overnight. Either they'd become Democrats or they'd just stop voting because it's the driving impulse that issue is to get them to continue to vote. I can tell you that um, Little Birdie tells me that uh, Steve Bannon had a meeting with social conservative leaders in Washington, D.C. this week who were there as part of Trump's uh, um, announcement about Jerusalem. And I won't tell you who it was, but he dressed one of them down in front of the group for notoriously being a, a, a GOP uh, sellout. And so that's why you, this is why you guys don't ever save any babies. You're more interested in access at the table than you are in actually winning your issue. And my, uh, my little birdie who was in this meeting when he told me this, Said he could not believe he could not he can believe Steve Bannon saying these things to these people right to their face and he goes I thought I was listening to you because I've heard you give this talk to some of these people before um, they just didn't invite you to give it in this case they invited Bannon probably not knowing what they were going to get would be my guess and that's what they got probably think they're going to get a Trump pom poms uh, squad sermon and instead they got uh, you guys suck at this thank you Steve Bannon okay so. Yeah, I've gotten in so much trouble in my career gauging people's motivations. I, I, I'm, you know how hesitant I am to do it nowadays. So all I know is in multiple states I've covered or been involved in attempting to legislate the primary principle of the pro-life movement that life begins at conception. And every time I've done it, and the reason I mentioned all those states, it wasn't just a region or all over the country, Southwest, the North, the Midwest, the Deep South, the Bible Belt, everywhere we've gone, the Archdiocese, National Right to Life, and the Susan B. Anthony list has opposed us everywhere. And the Republican Party. And the Republican Party, yeah. I'll stop asking you questions from now on. I warned you Dang when you it, took God. this job three years ago. What did I warn you day one? I tried to talk you out of taking it, didn't I? A what, bit, what, yeah. what, did, what did I warn you? You think you're cynical now? Yes. Just wait. Yep. Just wait. Oh. It took me like two months. <laughs> <laughs> you're an overachiever. <laughs> All right. We're out of time. Final thoughts. Aaron, go. Oh, man. I would like to say on the heels of that last conversation that we need a new party. Um, we need a new culture, though. Uh, we, we need to cloud piven this system. Uh, we need to... We need to uh, oh, so overwhelm it um, that it uh, collapses not not in a destructive way but uh, I, how do you collapse something that's not in a destructive way but we need to, to, to force it uh, and bend it to our will specifically in the context of the pro-life movement because it's clear these parachurch or these you know para whatever organizations most of them are just in this for self-perpetuation. They have become what the civil rights, or they are what the civil rights movement has become, essentially. Kim? Um, I love it that you do these these questions and um, answer these questions and talk about these emails. Oh, yeah, because you're not the ones that, you're not the ones to clean up the mess. I know, right? That's why I love it, yeah. But I, Jeff's was fantastic. When you're talking about science, 
That's what we need more of. People being ready to talk about DNA and talking about, you know, just how illiterate the left is with regard to science. Todd, uh, who I just broke. Next week <laughs> at this time, we will know in fact if Star Wars The Last Jedi snatched defeat from the jaws of victory or not. Are you going to an early screening? Well, not necessarily we in oh. this room, but people will have seen it and we'll know if it's... I'm worried we'll about you. I'm going to see it right away. I'm going to take Noah to see it Thursday night early. He doesn't know it yet, though. You mean like midnight? I don't know if we'll go midnight. We might do like the 6 o'clock, you know, but... Uh, Can I come? Yeah, yeah. I, if, if, I, I'm planning on seeing it like two or three times next weekend, so... I'm told it's like almost three hours. Longest Star Wars movie yet. So, you know if what, it though? sucks, it's really going to suck. Gotta, I got to tell you, I just have a different read on this. And, and well, Steve, you always blow these things out of proportion. The days leading up to Justice League, when you asked me about it, what did I tell you my, my intuition was? That you were more like me. Yeah. yeah. And as we get closer to this, though, I have a totally different read on this. I mean, I, I can see the Porgs are going to be the Ewoks they throw in for kids and girls to buy Star Wars toys. They're going to annoy the heck out of me. But I, I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the vibe. I am. And I want you to be right. You know I do. I, I want me to be right, too. <laughs> Especially so I can be right about good stuff for once. I'm always the most right about the bad stuff. You ever notice that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and on that note, have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> Don't have me be the meteorologist. He's always right about the bad stuff. Scorching the heat is pain. That's right. <laughs> Mass flooding, blizzard conditions. Yes. Uh, have a great weekend. Don't forget CRTV.com promo code DACE until Monday, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.